fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast. It is episode number 303. We are here for Awakenings, and you know what? We've, we've said it before we started recording. It's late at night, and the movie's called Awakenings, so we're, we're trying to wake up here, basically. It's, it's what's happening, and and uh, we, um, we're like, it's late, and, and we're going to talk about a movie that is ultimately kind of a sad movie, and that, okay, so energy. Let's keep the energy up. Let's keep going here. Let's... Let's make it snappy. Let's take a sad movie and make it snappy. I kind of feel like it's Robin Williams. We need to bring the energy level here, so let's do it. I'm not going to go into any Good Morning Vietnam. I promise. Well, okay, I'm not going to promise. That's not going to happen. No, gonna, promise, no thank promises. you for shaking your I can't. No promises. I cannot. I cannot pre- this, yeah. No, it's. I have a sickness. I'm sorry. All right. I, I'd, I'd like to say I'm trying to seek help, but I'm not. Um, so very, very quickly, we spoil freely. So be warned, we spoil, uh, iTunes reviews, please leave a five-star review or whatever you feel like leaving. Um, but, uh, five stars, nice. And, uh, subscribe to the show so that you can catch all the episodes as they come out. And then visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's got all the different places you can find us on social media, our voicemail line, and it's got all of our past episodes, uh, from there. Another, I kind of mentioned this every once in a while, um, another fun place, which maybe give me a couple of days because I realize I haven't updated it with like the last two movies. Um, another fun place to find our old episodes would be Letterboxd. If any of you use Letterboxd, the website, um, it's just it's kind of a fun. I, I hate to call it like a Facebook for movies, but uh, it's just kind of like a nice mixture of a little bit of social media, a little bit of uh, movie reviews, and then just a ton of information about different movies. And it's it's kind of a fun way, kind of a fun visual way to keep track of all of our old episodes. You get just kind of like this running scroll of, um, you know, like movie poster covers and things like that to be able to search that way for things. So uh, it's a good website. So if you have not used that one before, Letterboxd is what it's called. Um, you can check out our, uh, our account on there. It's 30 Podcast and look at our old episodes through that way as well. So I am joined tonight. Uh, I've got my usuals. I got Pat. I got Bo. Pat, how you doing? Doing good, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, Bo, how are you doing? Hanging in there. Everything copacetic at Starfleet headquarters? So far, so good. Ready to awaken my mind. Ready to awaken? Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I, I did switch my, uh, so as, as life is being lived on Zoom right now, uh, I did switch my background to the dude uh, there for a moment. But um, ultimately, I think I think this time, if, if we're bringing the energy here, I probably got to bring it to um, there. Yeah, I think I got to go to the Millennium Falcon. There you so, go. Nice. Right. There it is. We're, light we're, speed. we're going into hyperdrive here. A game. A game. Yeah, if, some, if something stops working or if Pat falls asleep, I'm just going to reach over and pound one of the controls and yeah, we'll be back again. So That's you missed right. an opportunity to say, oh, yeah, watch this. Yeah. Oh, well played. <laughs> Look, I should have. I, I should have. Well played. <laughs> 
John, I'm going to make sure right. that uh, you have Tammy's cell phone number too. I'll put that in the chat feed to you, and then if I, I fall asleep, you can text her. She'll wake me up. And I know we've we've talked about that. We need to have some like some kind of a contraption, like the, the the breakfast machine and uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I right. need to have something where I can just call a cell phone number and it you know stop start some Rube Goldberg machine that whacks you and wakes you up. Yeah, that's uh, right. If that were to happen, so and just mute you know, my we, microphone for about two minutes. We we have the technology. We can build it. Yeah. Um, Tonight, we also have with us, they were with us last week. They're back yeah. here again with us this week. We did not scare them away this time, so um, we are glad that they are back. We've got the guys from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, uh, Jason and Dee. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. John, I am so <laughs> excited to be part of a podcast that I don't have to edit when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as the person who will edit it, I say amen. I, I completely understand. I am nervous to be a part of a podcast that I don't have the control to edit. <laughs> I say tons of stupid stuff, so that's okay. You're you're not Dennis, so I'm not like saving things for future blackmail. So <laughs> I, I thanks only... for having us on. We are excited to be here and uh, excited having fun hanging out with you guys and enjoy listening to your. It's podcast like and... it's like waking up for a dream and thirty years have disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was, I know we, we kind of, I I kind of reached out to you guys, um, back before we even started our movies for this year. And, uh, and I think I kind of threw it out there. I was like, Hey, if you guys want to just let me know, um, you know, what would be some movies that you guys would be interested in if we could get you in on, on the podcast. And it just so happened that the week that we had these, you know, we were recording, you know, two of the movies together at one time. And it just so happened that it fell into the movies, the movie we did last week, we did total recall. And then, uh, the one for this week, um, being awakenings. And I was like, Oh, they actually said that these would be these two movies would actually be ones they'd love to be on. So I was like, okay, well we need to we need to get these guys on here. And and I had a blast, you know, being on the um, the Superman Man of Steel uh, episode on uh, your guys' podcast. So definitely wanted Very to get cool. you guys in here and and uh, talk some movies and maybe we can maybe we can make this a, a little bit more of a regular thing too. Sounds yeah. great, man. That may be one of our best episodes because we were standing on the shoulders of a giant, <laughs> Mister Superman. There it right. is. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was that was so much fun to talk that with you guys. And and actually, I had forgotten because it was it had been a while ago, and so I had forgotten some of it. And so I'm listening to it. And I'm like, wow, Jason's got a really good point with that. I was like, wow, D's got a really good point. Wow, John just made a really good point. Like, Wait a minute, I'm John. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the awesome. amount of editing it took to get I, three good points together was pretty amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So this time around, we do have the movie Awakenings. Um, and I, before we even get into the movie, I will say I, I am kind of shocked. I had never seen this movie up until watching oh, it wow. for the podcast um, last week. Wow. Yeah. I, as much as I am, a, I am a huge Robin Williams fan. This is one of his that I have just I had never seen. And so I just watched it you know, maybe about a week ago, week, week and a half ago. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment for when we start talking about it. But, um, yeah, I, and the fact that it was Robin Williams and Robert De Niro together. Like, how did I when did I miss this movie? Being that much of a Robin Williams fan, I do not know how. I mean, I've seen Cadillac Man four times, but I haven't <laughs> seen this one. So. Ouch. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I said, too. Um, all right, so we'll just jump on into the movie here. The movie this time around, like I said, is Awakenings. It came out on the 20th of December, 1990, rated PG-13, with a runtime of two hours, one minute, um, directed by Peggy Marshall, who died in 2018. I'm sorry, Penny Marshall. That one's, <laughs> here we go that again. One's for you. That one's for you, Dennis. Um, uh, she also directed Big and A League of Her Own. Producers on this one were Lawrence Lasker and Walter F. Parks. Lasker did War Games, Sneakers, and Project X. Parks did War Games, Sneakers, and Men in Black. 
Writers for this one were Oliver Sacks, who did the book. He died in 2015. And Stephen Zalian, who also did the screenplay. Uh, Sacks did At First Sight. And Zalian did Schindler's List and The Irishman. Cinematography was done by Miroslav Andrzejczyk. I knew I was going to kind of mess that one up a little bit. Uh, who died in 2015. He did the cinematography for Amadeus, Hair, and A League of Their Own. Music was done by Randy Newman, who did the Toy Story movies and the TV series Monk. Budget for this one was $29 million. Box office was $52.1 million. Flick Metrics, which combines Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterboxd, give it a 77%, and CinemaScore gives it an A. Starring Robert De Niro, who played Leonard Lowe. He was in Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Robin Williams, who died in 2014, was Dr. Malcolm Sayer. He was in Good Morning Vietnam and Mork and Mindy. Nanu, nanu. Uh, Julie Kavner played Eleanor Costello. She was in The Simpsons and Hannah and Her Sisters. Ruth Nelson, who died in 1992. Basically, from here on out in the cast, uh, they dead. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's one of the, to put it delicately, I guess, when you have a cast of uh, much older people and the movie was in 1990, chances are probably not so much around anymore. Uh, so Ruth Nelson, she died in 92. She played Mrs. Lowe. She was in Sentimental Journey and Humoresque. John Hurd, who uh, died in 2017, he was Dr. Kaufman. He was in Big and Home Alone. Penelope Ann Miller was Paula. She was in The Shadow and Carlito's Way. Alice Drummond, who, uh, she died in 2016. She was Lucy. Uh, she was the librarian in Ghostbusters, and she was also in Ace Ventura. Judith Molina, who died in 2015, played Rose. She was in Dog Day Afternoon in The Addams Family. Barton Heyman, uh, who died in 1996, played Bert. He was in The Exorcist and The Basketball Diaries. George Martin, uh, no relation to the writer of um, The Game of Thrones. Uh, he played Frank. He was in Dead Poets Society and Leon the Professional. Anne Mira, who died in 2015, played Miriam. She was in Night at the Museum and Reality Bites. Richard Libertini, who died in 2016, played Sidney. He was in Fletch and Popeye. Max von Sydow, who died just this year in 2020, he, he played Dr. Peter Ingham. He was in The Seventh Seal and Flash Gordon. Keith Diamond, who played Anthony, was in Dr. Giggles and Men in Black, the series. Mary Catherine Wright played Nurse Beth. She was in The Secret of My Success and Heart Condition. And Mary Alice played Nurse Margaret. She was in the TV series I'll Fly Away, and she was also in Matrix Revolutions. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a moment. You will be working with patients, people, doctor. When you say people, you mean living people? You do want the job, don't you? Hi. I'm Dr. Thayer. I'm Wahida. Wahida. I'd like to ask I was born in 1911 in Kingsbridge, New York. Prior to July 1955, I resided at the Brooklyn Psychiatric Center, Brooklyn, New York. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> Prior to that, I was a person. <sighs> it gets easier. You don't think it will, but it does. Can you hear me? Does he ever speak to you? Of course not. Not in words. No change, data 9-11-44. Your patients, doctor, haven't moved in decades. What I believe, what I know, is these people are alive inside. Well, how do you know that, doctor? I know it. I just wanted to say to you, I preferred your explanation. At 200 milligrams, he showed no response. Maybe he needs more. Maybe he needs less. I don't think that I could deal with losing 30 years of my life, could you? Have you thought what you'd like to do today? 
Everything. Leonard, where are you going? I would do all the things that you people take for granted. I'd go for a walk. I'd look at things. I'd talk to people. You work here? No, I live here. You don't look like a patient. <laughs> I don't? Girls. You're not married. Me? Would you like to go out for a cup of coffee? Well, I don't remember too much about the score of the movie itself, but the trailer music makes it sound like it's maybe like some kind of like after school special. It was it was kind of like it, that doesn't really capture the vibe so much of this movie at all. Um, well, the other part of that trailer, too, is it really especially the beginning of the trailer. It really tries to play up the hey, Robin Williams is in this movie. Robin Williams is funny. It's not a funny movie. Like there's there's funny moments in this movie. But it's, it, it really feels like the beats they're trying to hit or they're trying to catch that Robin Williams crowd that it's like, hey, you might not have seen Dead Poet Society, so come watch this movie. Remember everything else Robin Williams has ever done and come come with us. Come to, And I would imagine those people, now granted it did get a get an A on cinema score, I would imagine there were some people that probably went to this movie and they're like, wait a minute, this is not, uh, this is not Mork. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know what this is, but um, yeah, that trailer, I don't know that that trailer did the movie any favors. But maybe that's maybe that's to me. All right. Uh, so kind of initial could be um, initial thoughts on this one. A a single phrase, uh, a sentence, a phrase, a sentence, a single word. Um, just kind of what is your initial reaction to this movie as you as you approach this movie? And and maybe you can also start that with. I know I had not seen this movie before last week. Um, and maybe if there was anybody else for whom this was your first viewing, maybe let us know that as well. But um, what is maybe a single word or a short phrase? kind of your just initial knee-jerk reaction to when you think of this movie? For me, it's hopeful. I think the I think the easy word would be maybe sad, um, but it makes me feel hopeful because they, in this movie, they stumble upon a cure and there's miraculous things that happen because of this. And for whatever reason, they can't quite pin it down, but it does give the audience hope that there are solutions to be found. Yeah, it, it made me sad and and happy and uh and hopeful just saw uh just saw it uh i want to say a couple days ago for the first time i remember hearing about it i i, I want to say i think this was one that maybe my mom saw back in the day like my mom and dad went to the theater and my mom kind of like told the story you know as we were growing up like hey there's this great movie out there and kind of told us the story about it and i mean um i i think i gotta borrow jason's i i think that's that's kind of what i felt you know, in, in seeing that, it was hopeful. There was a sad part. There were happy parts. It was, um, it was um, compelling. It made me kind of just really think about the uh, about this, you know, about this uh, movie. Heartbreakingly aware, I guess. You know, because they uh, through this, you know, 
as as Jason and Pat have both said, they, through this rather heartbreaking story, they cause an awareness in the viewer that makes them go out and view the world in a different way. Um, we, you know, when he's talking about reading the newspaper and how people become, you know, so obsessed with it, it was really poignant for this particular time in history that we're experiencing right now, because it's like you can get so consumed by, you know, <laughs> 1918, 1964, 1969, the sequel all happened in 2020, right? And so you can get consumed with that. But this movie says, hey, yeah, there's lots of bad news out there. But guess what? There's lots of good news. And maybe you should just be aware of the good news that's out there as well. Yeah, I like I like that line in the movie where he kind of, you know, as Robert De Niro's character, um, he kind of points that out. He's like, we need to we need to tell people. He's like, well, what do we need to tell people? That, that there's good out there. Like it just almost that just simple childlike innocence of, I think people have forgotten there's good going on yeah. and we need to share, like people need to know that we need to share that. There's a lot of hope in, in a lot of the movie and yeah, there's some sad things, but the fact that there are still people willing to try to do the work for other people to make them better. You know, and I think maybe like Dee said, it, you know, the times we're recording this, this movie is, is apt because we're all hoping there's a lot of people working to make vaccines to heal the world. And, and now it's not just vaccines, but it's also you know, healing other things, not just maladies. I think we, we could use some hope right now. And uh, seeing the, yeah. seeing the doctors work for it in the scene where they, the scene where he's trying to raise money and, and all the employees drop checks off on the table, you know, just moments like that. Yeah. I think if I were to choose a, a, a phrase or a word, I think I would say understanding. And it kind of gets at some of the things that you guys have already said is it, it's a movie that I think tries to get you into, into the mindset of, you know, you may not have, you may not have regular exposure to someone who, um, you know, to, to, for someone whom this is their life. Uh, but through the medium of film, let's get you as close as we can to that. Let's have you experience what, um, what this kind of life is like, or for the people who are fighting to try to improve life um, that, you know, I, I almost feel like this movie is kind of like the presentation that he's trying to give to the wealthy donors and he's doing too much. He's doing too much of the science piece. And the nurse is like, less, less of the science more of the like, like get to the heart of it, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what that's what this movie does really well. Is it's one of those movies where you know it, it's trying to bring an issue to the forefront, and, and I think it does it very very well. Um, and, and as I said, I, this one I was surprised that I had not seen this one before. My wife remembers watching this at least a few times, um, but for some reason or another, I I had never seen this one, but but really enjoyed it. Um, the first thing I thought of when I when I, I, cause I kind of, I just read a little bit enough about this movie to kind of know what the basic idea was you know, when we kind of put our movies together and we put them in themes for each month. Um, I, I kind of put this together just based on what little I knew from some of the descriptions, but a, as I had been reading that and as I started the movie, I was like, you know what? I wonder if like, is this in any way before I looked up anything about it? I was like, is this any way tied to flowers for Algernon? Because I feel like yeah. I read that, like I, I must've read that three or four times in different grades in school. Um, and I was like, this is just, this is so much along the same lines as flowers for Algernon that it, it just reminded me of that so much. When I was watching it, of course I've seen this movie. I watched for the first time in my freshman year 
at college, we, this is back in the VCR days, you know, the VHS days. And in the bottom of our dorms, there was a free movie rental place. And I just watched everything. Basically you just go down check out three more movies, bring them back, watch three more movies. And so my wife and I watched this together um, back in 91. And when she walked through the other day, when I was watching it here, she's like, what are you watching? I said, awakenings. And she's like, Oh yeah. The flowers for Algernon type of movie. So that uh, I definitely remember that story and, and pretty close. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember it and it just kind of made me think of like, what were the, I, I think flowers for Algernon. We, we might've read that in eighth grade, but I remember reading it again in high school. And, and I was like, you know what? It, it still brings up, it still brings up some of the same beats. And I guess what, what makes it a little bit bittersweet is thinking that, okay, well, this movie, and, and I'm going to blank out on when the Awakenings book was written. Um, early 70s. Was it 70s? Okay. Um, yeah, very early 70s, like maybe 1970. Okay, okay. Um, what makes it a little bit bittersweet is you've got the Awakenings, uh, the, the book that this is based off of is written in the 70s. You've got this movie that's getting made in 1990, and you've got Flowers for Algernon that was written back in, I believe, the late 50s. So I'm like, good grief. We, we've gone decades and we're still having to, and, and you know, as, as we've said with some other issues going on now too, like we've got decades of the same issue is there and people keep trying to bring it to the forefront, trying to bring it to people's minds, like get it in front of their faces. And it's just something about it is not sticking or it's, it's still an issue. Um, maybe we don't have the medicine. We don't have the science that's needed right now to help with some of these issues. Um, but it's just, it, it clearly is something that, is meaningful to people because it, it just keeps coming back decade after decade after decade. Um, and I think that that's what makes this one of those great stories is that even though I had read flowers for Algernon at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be like a flowers for Algernon movie. So I'll, I'll just, I'll sit down. Uh, it's Robin Williams, Robert De Niro. I'm going to enjoy the movie. Um, but pretty soon after the movie started, I completely lost the, oh yeah, this is a flowers for Algernon type thing. And I was fully into a, no, it's a waking. It's, it's, it's different. Like I, I lost that, that comparison, uh, which was fine. Like I, I wanted to lose that. I didn't want it to be like, Oh yeah, it's exactly like that other thing. Um, this stands on its own. And, um, and I think, I think I really enjoy being a really big Robin Williams fan as a kid. Yeah. I think I really enjoy when I see him doing something that's not comedy and he does it so well. Yeah. 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 He, he's so endearing. The, um, so this this movie is based on the book by Oliver Sacks mm-hmm. that is fiction, but is based on what he was doing. I mean, he's a doctor, he's an MD is based upon his story from 1969. And if you look at Oliver Sacks, I got no doubt that he was very familiar with flowers for Algernon, which is from 1959. So imagine being him in 69 and this stuff happening and going, I'm experiencing this book that I love in real life right now. It's crazy. We mentioned kind of earlier that it's not the trailer kind of plays up some of the comedy pieces a little bit more. This is obviously not a comedy movie, but it does have some funny moments in the movie. Laugh out loud moments Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the one that was in the trailer, actually I I like the other moments even a little bit better. Um, There's the one you, you have the character. um, What was her name? Wahida. (laughs) And they first come up here and, and you, you find out she starts screaming when she sees him pull out a pen and, 
that part is funny enough when she starts screaming when she when he pulls out a pen and 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 you can tell after some time has passed a little bit later in the movie he and another doctor walk by and say hi to her and that yeah and they both cover up the pens that are in their pockets and it's like if you're not paying attention like you might that might have just walked right on by that part hit me and i was like oh I, nice i like that's a good that's a nice touch <laughs> i like that you can't have a movie that's set in a psych ward and not have some comedy involved right there right it's just it's crazy but it's funny that's yeah. just the way it is yeah for me that part is funny because she's speaking coherently and he's asking her questions and she's answering them properly. And then he clicked, he clicked his pen and she freaks. Yeah. And I, I laugh every time I watch that. When you get a, you get a sense from early on that. Um, and I love some of that too. It just, he is so, I, I don't think of Robin Williams as being awkward. Like I think of Robin Williams as being like, he's probably coked out of his mind, you know, for the earlier part of his life. And, and he's just, uh, uh, he thinks and speaks just a, a, a mile a minute. And, um, so this is a, even when you watch something like, you know, Good Morning Vietnam was a, a complete fit for his character. It allowed him to really play to his strengths. And even Dead Poets Society, it was still him, you know, cracking the jokes and being this creative teacher. And, that it, and I almost wondered when I was watching this movie, I was like, I wonder if this, you know, sometimes when, when he would open up later in his life about things that he, as a younger man, he, you know, he used the drugs, he used the humor, he used everything else to kind of mask some of the stuff that he was really feeling. You see a movie like this where now it's very heartfelt and it's like, he doesn't want to be around people. Like, wait, really? I have to wait. I'm working with live people. The people are alive that you want me to work with. And I almost wondered the back of my mind as I was watching that, I was like, I wonder if for him, this role was maybe even more meaningful because it was, it Maybe not that it was a stretch because maybe he was playing a part of himself that he didn't want to share with the rest of the world. But I, I kind of wondered that as I was watching it, I was like, this is a very different movie for him. It's almost, it's almost purposefully going against everything that you think of when you think of Robin Williams. You know, he's, he's shy. He's very, he seems very nervous. Maybe that's the real Robin Williams, you know, when he's not on stage somewhere doing his, his stand-up routine. Um, yeah, I, I just I really liked his performance in this. I mean, I've actually heard I've heard other actors talk about the fact that he is that's the way he is whenever or I'm sorry he was whenever he wasn't on stage or wasn't in front of the camera he was a very shy, polite, sweet man, very much like you get uh, for his portrayal of uh, in this movie. Yeah. I remember hearing, I think Christopher Reeve uh, may have shared that in an interview one time or was talking because I know they were pretty good friends. Um, but I rem- I remembered hearing that before. The the other funny part I thought was funny was during the miraculous transformation, he is awoken and he runs in the other room and he's like, where's my glasses? She's like, they're on your face. He's like, oh, great. So yeah, that part cracks me up too. So yeah. I, well, and I was just going to ask, and this is, would we say that this is maybe his most serious role or least comedic or, or maybe not? I don't know. Cause at first I thought, well, dead poet society, but like you said, it's not like he's just cracking wise all the time in Dead Poets Society, but like this is just a, a a different, more somber character. You know, he's not making the jokes like the jokes are funny things that happen to this character. Sort of like you just referenced the the glasses thing. Um, and he almost can't help being funny, right? Right, exactly. And and the thing is, for me, it's it's almost like well, this isn't a comedy. This isn't. A, it's just a real life movie, and you you know that in real life, there's people that are funny and there's people that are, they don't know how funny they are. And there's people that it's just funny things happen to, you know? And I thought this movie really 
had a nice balance of that to where, you know, it wasn't like, okay, here's the comedic relief. It was, oh no, I, I could see that happening in real life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I wonder if this was a stretch of time because I, I was looking just real quick at his IMDb credits, and I wonder if if this was a stretch of time where he wanted to try to branch out because l- later on, um, you know, he he tried to branch out again and do some more serious roles. Um, and I was looking at it, it was like I, w- I wonder if this is that stretch of time where like he did Good Morning Vietnam, then he did uh, and there were a couple of other like short things he did, um, then he did Dead Poets Society. Then it was kind of back to, you know, back to comedy with Cadillac Man. And then it was Awakenings. And then after that, you kind of get into, you know, the, the Fisher King. Um, that still allowed him to kind of play off his usual manic personality that he shows to the world. And then it was kind of into like Hook, Aladdin, Toys, Mrs. Doubtfire, um, Jumanji, The Birdcage. Right. So you have then a stretch of time where it's back to the, you know, almost the purely comedy stuff. And then as you get a little bit further on too, then you start to get into some of the, like the weirder stuff or when he starts to get kind of creepy. Um, he, he started to come back to some more serious stuff when he did like uh, patch Adams and Jacob, the liar and yeah. um, one hour photo and insomnia. Those were kind of the weird ones the, the not the weird ones, but the creepy ones uh, mm-hmm. with the one hour photo and the insomnia. But it, it seems like he kind of goes and, and maybe a lot of actors do that too, but he kind of goes in little waves where maybe he was, he wanted to do something that was more serious and maybe it just didn't get, you know, cause it doesn't seem like awakenings made a bunch of money. So it might've just been something where he tried it. It didn't make much money. Then he needed to kind of start going back into, you know, getting to the comedy again. Cause he knows that's where he's going to make a lot more of his money. Mm-hmm. He's so good in these dramatic roles though. I, I mean, dead poet society is, awesome he does a phenomenal job in this movie you know goodwill hunting is fantastic Mm -hmm. um he's just so gifted it's it's truly tragic that he couldn't live longer you know but yeah um he's just such a talented talented guy it's just amazing you know especially when we know that he did take his life in that part that you found that that said that well this was kind of who he was in real life you know when this you know I, I don't know if that makes it more sad or, I mean, you know, cause I understand performers have a stage presence. I mean, you know, like that's the whole, that's the whole thing, right? Like, Oh, comedians are just a laugh a minute. And it's just like, well, not really, you know, but it's, I, that just makes, you know, what happened and that he, he felt that he needed to end his own, you know, take his own life is just uh, so sad. He had actually started taking this same medication just before he passed away. He had started battling Parkinson's and okay. the L-Dopa that he gives the his patients. He he had started taking that himself. Really? Um, yeah, it was before his death. Interesting. Yeah, that's a great irony. Yeah. And speaking on the on the comedy thing, I've I heard that Bill Murray was actually considered for Robert De Niro's part in this, which would have made this a comedy. It would. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's a different movie for sure. I don't know how you do the end, but I mean, it's basically what about Bob meets Patch Adams? I don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more than you get Baby the trailer. Steps. You get the trailer with the exact same music, and at the end, you've got the 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 voiceover guy going Awakenings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a different. Movie. Anybody. No, I mean, as soon as I heard that lady speak, I didn't recognize her face, but I, as soon as she talked, I'm like, that's Marge Simpson. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right. Well, I, and my kids, since we've gotten Disney Plus and they have all the old Simpsons episodes on there, my kids have been, we, they had never really watched The Simpsons. They, they'd seen an episode here or there. And now we've just kind of been going through from 
you know, episode one, season one, episode one, we've been kind of working through the Simpsons, um, you know, ever since we've, we've been under the quarantine. Oh, that's gotta be fun. And, oh yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Okay. I have a good, I have a question for, for you guys. My 10 year old is now watching the Simpsons because of Disney plus, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to talk to him about, but then the other day he was watching American dad and he's like, this is just the same as the Simpsons. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think it is. I really don't. <laughs> no. I, I'm, I've seen Family Guy, and I'm pretty sure this is kind of a spinoff. Mm-hmm. And no, this is worse. You can't watch this. I would venture to say American Dad pushes the Family Guy envelope sometimes. Okay, then that's, yeah, he can't watch that. That's not okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, let, I'll let him see the, the three boobied lady in Total Recall, but <laughs> I'm not okay with American Dad. Him for at least yeah. a week. <laughs> <laughs> I legit, I covered his eyes up for that part, yeah. and then I forgot about the second scene whenever the whenever the guy's feeling her up, and I was just like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Win some, lose some. Yeah. You're batting 500, you know? Nobody's <laughs> perfect. Nobody's yeah. perfect. Jason and I Jason and I talked about how we would pause that movie just to try to figure out which are the two real ones. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's, you know. From a special effects standpoint, that's you know, yeah, studying the craft that's what they call it. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, this is this is obviously a busy year for uh, Robert De Niro. This is the same year, and and Pat, I know you're excited to get to this one too. Goodfellas, we've got coming yeah. up this year, yeah. So, 1990 uh, for him, um, you know, I there's also he's also got a movie in here. Um, and I have not seen this one for called Stanley and Iris. So I have not seen that one, one, but he, he had three movies Mm -hmm. this year, three pretty big movies this year, Awakenings, Goodfellas and Stanley and Iris. But I mean, definitely between Awakenings and Goodfellas, it it seems to me like this is, you know, and and I don't want to sell him short by saying it this way. So I, I I don't mean it in that way, you know, but this seems like this would have been his attempt at at his Rain Man, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of maybe to, I don't want to say he's you know trying to trying to play off of Dustin Hoffman's <laughs> performance, but right, he did a stellar job with this. Yeah, though. I mean, you just think about any other movie that he's been in, and you're like, nah, he has never done a character like this guy before. He really, and he really brought it home. Um, but both Goodfellas and Awakenings were nominated for Best Picture that year, and neither one of them won. Dances with Wolves won, yeah. to which now I say. Fools, yeah. fools. Either way, either one of those movies, and probably a couple others that weren't even nominated, are better than than Dances with Wolves. But, um, but yeah, to to put out those two movies and then something else in the same year, that's he's on fire. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, I'm trying to think of you know Robert De Niro. Obviously, you say Robert De Niro and uh, um, Q Mizuka. Mizuka would always say something like Bobby D, you know, and all that. But you say Robert De Niro and and you tend to uh he does though, right? I mean, you know. And, I mean, and I mean, you know, for Mazuka and I, I mean, he is a brother Italian to, you know, so I mean it's I get it. I mean, I get it. But I mean it's interesting because uh um uh uh you think of Robert De Niro and and obviously your first thought is okay, good fellas, raging bull, you know, you go down the list, but but you know, he's someone that you know, maybe he was pigeonholed, but well, I mean, yeah, okay, so he could be pigeonholed with the whole thing, but but I think he, I I I think this maybe is this. I agree, 
the, the, this movie was, you know, kind of his, uh, you know, his, his foray out into another thing. But I think he could have pulled that off with some pretty regularity. You know, I think he was always getting cast into those things. But after seeing this or seeing even his, uh, you know, his, his comedic ability in, um, you know, Meet the Parents or um, the, analyze, the, this. analyze This. Yeah, the satire, yeah. the, the lamp. So and then he was in a, uh, he was in kind of like a fantasy movie too. Um, what was that? That about the star that fell or something? Or anyways, he's in some he's in some fantasy movie where he plays a guy that's like like a captain of an airship, and it's I I don't know if it's quite a kids movie, but he he plays a character very different, and he plays it really well. So that's that's a guy that like Robert De Niro. It it just I mean it goes without saying he's a great actor, but really just beyond all the things that we think of him as being a part, you know, like a tough guy, like real strong kind of thing. He, he is pretty amazing because all these roles that he takes. And uh, I wish I remember the name of the other movie. Tammy's yelling at me. What? Stardust. Stardust. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if any of y'all saw Stardust, but uh, I, did I, I, I remember seeing the poster for it. Like I know the cover of the DVD, but I just to kind of add on to what you were saying about his character in this movie, he, he really does a fantastic job. I, I think both of these guys just really knock it out of the park. Yeah. But the scene where he's, you know, he's, he's shaking and, and it, he's reverting and it's, you can tell he's sinking and he, and he's, he's telling him, he says, don't give up on me. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't give up on me. I mean, I just broke my heart when in that scene Yeah, and he's, he's optimistic about, you know, he's telling him, you know, you don't have an excuse and it's, it's very challenging to watch. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that scene was impactful. Yeah, and 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 not that I want to not that I want to keep comparing it to Rain Man, but I think one of the things that makes this movie a little bit different is it's you know Rain Man is about that relationship between the brothers, and I, I don't think I don't see Rain Man as being, and I don't think that's the purpose of Rain Man is to really bring an issue to the forefront. Um, you know, that's not so much the focus of that movie, but this one it is. And I think what he does so well about that is you see that even if you want to make that comparison to say, okay, well, this is Robert De Niro, you know, trying his hand at a Rain Man type role to, to really stretch himself as an actor. I think what he does so well is when he starts to, when you start to see a little bit of that regression before it starts the regression, you know, he, he actively starts to kind of fight back against the, well, why are you still treating us like patients? Like we, if we've been cured, if this, if this medication has cured us, what are we doing here? Why can't I take a walk? Why can't, and he starts that whole revolt within the psych ward. Um, and just the, the change in his character from, you know, he, he grows up, he's, he's missed the, whatever it was, 30 or 40 years of his life. And he grows up from being just that, that childlike innocence after he's woken up to within just a very short amount of time, he's now already, you know, starting a rebellion in the hospital, he's got his bodyguard. He's got bodyguards. Like, how did he get bodyguards? I've tried my entire life to get bodyguards. I don't have bodyguards. <laughs> oh. And this guy does it in just a few days. And, I know. Um, but then the one part you mentioned, uh, Jason, about the kind of one of those parts kind of breaking your heart while you're watching this. I think the part for me was, as I'm watching this movie, it's the part where he starts to have a seizure and, you know, Robin Williams, Dr. Sayer, starts to get up and, and like try to go get help or get him some medication. And he just starts to get the camera. Like, go get the yeah. camera. I want yeah. people to see this. Like, and, and that part, I was like, oh my God, that's, that, that part is, that's just heartbreaking. He's like, but I want, he's like, and at that point, you know, his character, 
is thinking, all right, there may not be a way back from this. Like I may not be able to get cured again. Mm -hmm. Um, This may only go backwards for me, but I need people to see what's happening. Like I need this to, to not, I need this to, to not be all for nothing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, That part in particular, just that, that part really hit me. I'll say some, you know, to kind of going away from the character in the movie, but to Robin Williams, you know, Robin Williams, I meant Robert De Niro, but going to Robert De Niro, when he's um, kind of that depth of acting, I think of this when he's, when he's talking to uh, the girl in the line, in the lunch line, you know, and, and it's like, here's a guy that's, I mean, how old was he supposed to be there? 40, 45? five-ish, 40, somewhere in there, because he was been asleep for 30 years, right? And he was like a kid, you know? So yeah, here's right. someone that's just trying to figure that whole thing out, trying to process and all that. And then, you know, he sees this girl that he becomes infatuated with and he's trying to talk to her. And just all his mannerisms, like in the line, kind of like looking around, like trying to blend in. And you could see it, like, honestly, the way he played, almost like Tom Hanks being an adult, but playing like a 13 year old and big. I mean, you see Robert De Niro do that here where he's like trying to fix his hair, kind of look around, like, I don't want to stick out, but I want to be noticed. And how do I talk and how do I interact? And, you know, just the way he interacts is, is so powerful of a scene. But then also I contrast that with, uh, you know, back to one of his more typical roles in heat. When, uh, if, if you guys have seen the movie heat, there's a scene where he's in a diner talking to um, I forget the actress's name, but he's talking to a gal in there that, that he, he didn't realize he met at the library and like, he's in heat. He's this like, you know, how do you know? But I mean, he's a, a, a very, you know, a little bit more of a sinister focused, you know, he's got an edge to him and there he's having a conversation and he's playing like a completely different role. And, and that really hit me like, and I even like watched the scenes back to back just to see how Robert De Niro could bring these two completely different characters in a similar scene, speaking to a, a woman that he doesn't really know, uh, he, he just brings it to life. And you know exactly what that character is going through, not only by his physical comedy, but just how he says his lines and so forth. So I really, you know, like Mizuka would say, Bobby D. <laughs> I thought the uh, the bad guy doctor did a good job. The guy from Big and... Uh... Home Alone and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's such a nice guy in Home Alone. It's hard to kind of see him as the jerk, but uh, I mean, he was he was an obstacle. He was standing in his way, and he did not believe in what he was doing, and and uh, but did a good job. I, I thought he did a good job. I liked him. Mm-hmm. I didn't like him, which was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, a mission accomplished. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's neat. If you, if you need the jerk character or you need kind of like the, the uh, pretentious uh, med school student, you either go with John Hurd or you go with Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Those are kind of your two options. Um, the other interesting thing, I, I saw this later after watching the movie. I'm like, well, now I got to go back and watch it again so I can find this. This apparently was Vin Diesel's film debut. Really? Yeah, I saw that. Where was he? He apparently was one of the orderlies. Man, wow. like, all right. Well, now I gotta. Maybe he had hair. I don't know. I, I gotta go back and look for it and see if see yeah. where he was. He had hair in Saving Private yeah. Ryan, mm-hmm. so probably mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing uh, before we before we get into our go into our three questions or anything like that. Um, the other funny thing I saw in here when I was looking through some of the different kind of behind the scenes stuff is um, they actually Robin Williams actually broke Robert De Niro's nose. Um, yeah. in, in the scene where he's trying to get outside and all of the uh, the security or the orderlies come and they kind of grab him 
and they're trying to, to hold him back. And uh, Robin Williams accidentally hits him in the face with his elbow and breaks his nose. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so uh, I think it said, this was an IMDb, it said uh, De Niro later commented that his nose had been broken before, probably in like Raging Bull or something like that. Um, he said in the opposite direction, so he was glad for this injury because it straightened it out. <laughs> for me, in my mind, it's kind of interesting to think that maybe this movie was birthed when Mork was on Laverne and Shirley uh, way back when. You know, I mean, Penny Marshall was Laverne and Robin Williams and maybe a friendship was started there. Mm-hmm. And then down the road, here we are in a dramatic, heartfelt movie, you know. And then uh, the lady who played the librarian in Ghostbusters. Yeah. I was watching this. Lucy. She's in the Looney Bin. Mm-hmm. I really wanted her to say to somebody, maybe even in the background, that she, <laughs> her uncle thought he was St. Jerome. So that's what I wanted to happen. That's outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> or, she, awesome. or she's in the psych ward and she's like well you know i used to be a librarian in new york city <laughs> you just need robin williams to say you know uh, when he's recommending these drugs like back off man i'm a scientist <laughs> now, you've never been in the private sector they expect results yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna throw a i'm gonna throw a, a real quick uh music thing in here too uh love the music in the movie and uh you know what's what's the term what's the fancy like 10 cent word we're trying to use after watching the uh listening to the soundtrack show the diegetic music do am i using that correctly mm-hmm. uh, but like i'm a you know i love big band music so they go to the you know it's like they're sitting there's like well where else can we go I, where else do people go and they're like at a dance and it's playing in the mood and then i want to say tunes on the radio and they've just got some great great you know um well, old and old for that time period music. But then when they're trying to find like the different music for them and the one guy's just got all the records stacked up and they're just playing and they played a little bit of uh, um, uh, a little bit of Motown, a little bit of soul music, a little bit, you know, they're just trying everything out and kind of a, a shout out. My mom was a music therapist. So kind of a sh- shout out for early music therapy to, you know, thrown on different tunes to see what reactions. And I, I thought that was a cool uh that was cool to see that in the movie. So nice. And, and Hendrix, Hendrix was all that got him moving. That's, that's right. It. Hendrix. That's who I yeah. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was neat. That was neat. All right. Time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Question number one. Robin, Robin Williams and Ro- I almost did what you did, Pat. I was almost like Robert Williams and Robin De Niro. Robert, there we go. Uh, Robin Williams and Robert De Niro make a great acting team in this movie. Who is your favorite acting duo in either film or television? Robert and Costello. Mm. I, I mean, I just got to go with, I, 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 whenever I first saw the question, that's immediately went, in, went into my head. And then I started thinking, okay, well, you get all these other folks, but I, I'm sticking with that. The who's on first bit from Abbott and Costello, along with all of the other brilliant stuff that they've done, that to me is, yeah, 
That's genius. Yeah. Best genius. duo ever. Absolutely. Pick me last, man. I'm still trying to make up my mind. Guests go, go first. Over. Yeah, guests go right. first. Guests <laughs> go first. Okay, well, I got mine. So um, I'm going to call, since Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, we're going to call that an ensemble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mark them off. Okay. So my favorite acting duo is Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Solid. Those Lethal Weapon movies are so much fun. And they are. There's, I mean, there's not a bad one in the bunch, and they have great action and great humor and all fun. I love them. I love yeah. them. Well, and, and even even if there's moments, and, and I do, I like all of the, the Lethal Weapon movies, but even if somebody, I feel like even if somebody could argue and be like, well, okay, well, some of them are not as good as the others, I feel like, I could actually just sit and watch a movie. If you want to just, just just have Riggs and Murtaugh just talk to each other, I could probably just sit and watch a movie about their relationship, just to sit and have a or sit and watch them have a conversation. I'd be totally fine with that. Even if yeah. even if the Lethal Weapon movie was like, okay, well maybe this one's not the best movie of the bunch. I'd just sit and watch the two of them. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that's a great deal. All right, Bo, Pat's still thinking. So, what do you got? So, this was a hard one for me. Yeah. Because I can go drama, I can go comedy, I can go all over the map. So, I'm going to say Affleck and Damon. Nice. For, for range, for just breadth of work, for the fact that some of it they wrote, you know, just all of that. Just kind of all encompassing. Um, I've got a couple of honorable mentions, but I'm going to let the floor clear before I throw some of my sillier ones out there. Because there are some silly ones that I think were worth mentioning. I did, Abbott and Costello was on my list. Like that was one of the first ones that I immediately jumped to was was the two of them. Um, the other one that I that I kind of threw out there immediately was I I can't even tell you the number of times growing up as a kid that I watched Blues Brothers. So I for me even though even though they weren't in a lot of movies together like Dan Aykroyd John Belushi. That's a great one. Even if it was just that movie alone, just the way that they play off of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that, and and as soon as my wife said this one though, I like, I I had to agree with her. Um, One of our favorite TV shows, I've mentioned this several times. One of our favorite TV shows ever was mad about you and that uh, Paul Reiser and Helen hunt in that show that just the way they are, they are so funny individually, but the way that they are able to play off of each other and the way that they are able to make you genuinely believe that, that they are a couple um, just, I, I think they were just amazing in that show, and, show. And, d- and did it for seven years. Um, well, eight years, if you could count the other show that nobody can watch unless you have, you know, a special streaming service, but, um, yeah, no. So I think that one, I, I might have to go since Abbott and Costello was already mentioned and, uh, you know, I, I, I did throw out John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, but I, I got to put in uh, Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt just for the ways that they played off of each other. And in that show, the way they also brought in and paid tribute to so many of the older TV actors, you know, the Sid Caesars and the, um, you know, Mel Brooks and just all those different older TV, just the, the, the tributes that they paid to all of them. Um, you know, that just, I think that was just a, an amazing show. All I'm, right, Pat, I stalled as much as I could. For I, you. I know. I'm, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go modern. I'm going to go modern on this one guys. And I'm going to tell you, I think um, uh, uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. as, um, as uh, uh, Iron Man and um, Captain America, wait, Captain America and Iron Man. Um, I, I, boy, I'll tell you, you know, I, it goes without saying, and I know that there are people out there that are not fans of the Marvel movies and, and okay, but boy, you, you, you talk about living through a phenomenon. I mean, like that living and when they're still putting, putting those movies out, 
fantastic movies, but I, I sure think those guys, they inhabited those roles. Like I can't imagine anyone else like nailing Tony Stark and Iron Man and all that. I can't imagine anyone else, um, you know, being Captain America and just the way they deliver the lines, the mannerisms, the whole thing. And, um, um, when it got to, and I, I, should I be careful? Are there any spoilers out there that I should be careful of? Okay. When it got to civil war, I mean, the way they built those two guys up against each other and that, that final fight, uh, with the two of them, that was like all the anguish and all the, like that gave me all the feels. And I wanted that is how I felt in revenge of the, the, Revenge of the Sith or whatever the one where Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting. Like I wanted that same level of emotional attachment that I had in that, uh, that I had in civil war. And I mean, you got to the end of that civil war fight and, you know, like, you know, again, spoilers, I'm going to give our listening audience a chance to tune down. So I don't ruin, but you get to civil war and he takes the shield and he slams it in. And it's like, I was sitting there and I was like, Oh my God, he killed him. Like he cut his head off. Like this is PG. Like what? Uh, I mean, I, I really got taken in by that. And, um, you know, you, we mentioned last week about Arnold Schwarzenegger bringing the acting chops to, um, um, total recall. recall. I remember one of the things they said about, uh, uh, civil war was them saying like, man, you know what? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Played was so great in that movie. Someone forgot to tell him it's an, it's an Avengers action movie. You don't need to act because he just brought it. He brought, you know, he brought his a game to that movie. Um, so I'll tell you those, those two guys and, and I've gone back and kind of rewatched some of the old ones just really, really, um, brought those roles to life, but just brought that kind of a little bit fractured and then big time fight, um, between those two characters, I thought nailed it. So. All right. Question number two, is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all? I feel like yes. I, I, I kind of feel like I went. Into, I feel like I went into like a, a Delilah from the radio voice there for a second. Yeah. Yeah, like is it better to have loved and lost? This one goes out. Call the love. There you go. <laughs> John, of course, I ask this. Some, sometimes I ask the three questions to my family just to kind of see what their responses are, and I ask this one, and of course, it, it, my son was like, "Wait, what do you mean?" <laughs> is, is, is this like a is this like a dating thing or a crush thing or I was like I don't know just like a general relationship and my daughter's like love yeah <laughs> I don't think they're in the age bracket for that John no not yet not yet yeah yeah the answer to the question is yes yeah, yeah. he always sees the day mm-hmm. yeah per Robin Williams because yeah. you never know what's gonna happen you seize the day absolutely fall in love go skydiving hit the home run go for it i'm, yeah. I'm gonna there i'm gonna go. be the i'm gonna be the odd man out here i'm gonna say Woo-hoo! no here we, here we go again this is awesome <laughs> because i can only think of one man in history who's never loved at all and that's david lee roth and i think that i would take that <laughs> lifestyle i gotta be honest with you i think last week you said something like you know like the poetic moment and where's the po- i mean i think i think you know your line of logic we can't we, i can't argue with that you know he's got nobody waiting at home right to mess around yeah. <laughs> there it is okay so it's it's better to have loved than unless you're david lee roth correct right. okay with right. the exception yeah. of David Lee Roth. Okay. Diamond Dave. Correct. Okay. 
new amendment to that phrase from now on. That's, that's <laughs> okay. how it needs can, to be said can, from now on. Can I change my, my recall answer from last week? I think, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. That's... I would like to be David Lee Roth. Please and thank you very much. I would, I would, I would like the augmented David Lee Roth package, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, mark me down too. All right, pants for a hundred extra credits. <laughs> oh uh, man, the standard rich and famous package, David Lee Roth <laughs> yeah, edition. There, there you go. All right, finally, question number three, David. Uh, David, we got David, <laughs> I mean, we got David Lee Roth on the brain now. Um, <laughs> David Lee Roth had good intentions. Um, uh, Dr. Sayer had good intentions, and sometimes we tend to excuse rule-breaking when the intentions are good. Uh, why do you think that is, and should we? So, if the intentions are good, is the rule-breaking okay? Well, you didn't ask in the question if we thought it was okay. You asked why we <laughs> excused it. That is a different question. All right, all right. <laughs> well, I, I did say, why do you think that is, and no. should we? Should we excuse oh, okay. it? Okay, no, fair enough. You are right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think the reason we excuse it is because as a, as a species, we have always pushed the envelope. Part of what we do as we grow and change and learn and do the next thing is we're always breaking something. Maybe it's not a rule, maybe it's not a law every day, but we are breaking a ceiling and we are changing and we are going somewhere. And I think the end result is all anyone remembers at some point. You know, they say history is written by the winner. Um, so I think a lot of things get swept away by the final result. And, and some for the better, some for the worse, but I think that's why that happens. As for should we? All right, Machiavelli, do the ends justify the means? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it all depends on how... how granular you go with that because you know you think back through history and if some people didn't do some crazy stuff we'd be in a whole different world right now but at the same time especially given the you know events of the of the time of the of the week you gotta you also have to step back and you really do need to be thinking about what we're doing why we're doing it and how we're doing it and, and some and those events have been going on for longer than a week, which oh yeah, br- just, not to correct you, but to bring point to no, no, no. but to, exactly. to 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 go along with your point and say, at some point you got you know I mean well and as a country in particular, I think we tend to I mean you think about it we we basically started with a rebellion yeah. <laughs> we we started with good intentions that were breaking the rules and um you know I and I've I've lived in I've lived in England I've lived here in the states and um. You know, it, it's a so very, well, you're correct. Yeah, and well, yeah, if you want to go like the ultimate rule breakers, the ultimate rebellion, then, um, you know, we don't belong to nobody. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I think in particular living, living in a, in a country like England, well, and, and that kind of that split between the two, you know, go back to, we, we broke off from England. That was a rebellion. That was a, that was a, a good intention rule breaking, um, you know, with, with good reason and, and with good results, but it's a very different society. Like not to say that there aren't rule breakers in England, there absolutely are, but just that whole that whole sense of what it means to be British and the you know the keep calm, carry on, all that stuff, and it's it's just it's right, and it, it's it's not as much of a it's more of a you know just keep everything in line and and everything is proper, everything's good, everything's all that, 
and then you get to America and it's like, well, it's, we, we kind of break the rules for a living here, friend. Uh, that, that's kind of what we're, you know, that's what we're based off of. That's, that's how we roll. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I kind of get the sense that sometimes that can also be a, a cultural thing as well that we see that, I mean, we, we as Americans tend to see that as, well, that's a positive for us. Like there are other cultures in the world where that kind of rebellion not, or that kind of, well, well, yes, you can break the rules as long as you meant good to come from it. Um, I think that I don't want to, pe- I don't want to peg that just on America, but I think that's something that we, as a culture, as a society, that's something that we are, you know, it's, it's a particular, um, quality that we kind of exude. Um, and I think t- to the rest of the world too. And I think that's why some parts of the world maybe find us to be a bit of abrasive sometimes because we don't match up with the way they see things where it's like, Hey, this is, this is the order things are supposed to be. And you, you keep in line and you, you just, you go with what it is because, you know, we, we don't break those rules. Like that's not society falls apart if you do that. Um, so I think, I think that answer can be totally different depending on your background and where you come from. Obviously, you know, I, we were born in this country, so I'm going to go with, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially being from Texas, you know, I'm going to be like, no, oh, yeah, you, you break, you need to break the rule. Yeah, that's okay. So there's my answer. Question number three, John's answer. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the, uh, I'm going to give the king of the hill response. Yep. Yep. That boy ain't right. Uh-huh. <laughs> the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists in trying to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress depends upon the unreasonable man. Or you've got to fight for your right to party. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Damn. Wow. 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 That just happened. Yes. <laughs> I can't follow that. <laughs> a little a little madness now and then is relished by the wisest men. <laughs> for me, I trust myself with good intentions, but... I find a lot of people to be morons. So um, I, it depends on the situation. When I watch, I watch some movies that I used to love as a kid. I, I watched this movie called Fire with Fire the other day, and it has Virginia Madsen and the guy from A River Runs Through It. And uh, they basically run away as teenagers, and they're, she breaks out of her Catholic school, and he breaks out of prison. They're going to run away and be married and and as a teenager, I've been like, yeah, man, young love. That's great. Break the rules, run away together. And as an adult, I'm like, you kids are stupid. So it depends. So I'm kind of a rule follower by nature, but you know, you know what, Jason, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I, everyone's points and that's, I think this question is pretty, is pretty deep because I think it really depends, uh, you know, on the situation. And I mean, you know, here I'll quote, I'll quote the matrix. You know, it's, it's kind of like, like any system, there are rules. Some of them can be bent. Some of them can be broken. And I, I think you got to be, be careful because, I mean, you could take it to the extreme and just say, okay, what about traffic laws? Okay. Like, I mean, I think the speed limit is kind of dumb. I, I trust myself. I think I can ride this road at this speed. Should I be allowed to do that? And then it's like, I've got good intentions. Yeah, I'm going to have fun. I mean, you know, and that's, I want to express myself, you know, well, Okay, but then the good intentions, you know what, you know what paves the way you know, to good intentions or what good intentions pave the way to. I'm, I'm rocketing down this road, and I can handle that. Well, what happens if I close on a car that can't handle that? You know, you know I mean, it, um, stoplights, you know, stoplights. Should I be able to 
stop at a, should I have to stop at a stoplight? And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you should, because that's how the road goes. Well, but what happens if you're stopped at a stoplight and the stoplight's not turning? Should, and I mean, I, obviously I'm being silly and going to the extreme, like, you know, you could say, well, of course, but I, I think Jason, to your point, it's kind of like you, you, you we're constantly kind of reflecting on that and saying, should this, you know, maybe, maybe here's another quote, the Jurassic Park, as opposed to asking, can we break this rule? Should we break this rule? You know, like it, it's, it's, it, I'm definitely not anywhere near as eloquent as D was. I mean, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where I get is because it's, it's just like, okay, well, well, what about this case? And what about like, how do we look at this? I mean, in a way, isn't that why we have a Supreme Court that like sits there and says, okay, well, does this law fit in? No, this law doesn't fit it. Or yes, it does. Or society has changed. We need to, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a deep question. And like, my mind is racing. Like I'll, sorry, I, I got my second wind. I'm going to talk for the next two hours on it, but it's like, <laughs> I'm sure we can all think of things where it's like, yeah, break that rule or yeah, that'd be fun to break the rule, but, or mm, no, mm, we don't, don't break that rule. That's one you don't want to break, you know? And I, it just, you know, that's, that's one of those three questions that can be a whole series of podcasts that could be a whole podcast show, you know? Well, and I, and I think the case of this movie too is he has a situation where he tried that. Well, not just that he tried this experimental drug, but like he snuck in and like tripled the dosage and, mm-hmm. you know, did all kinds of stuff that would completely get him, you know, thrown in jail <laughs> as a doctor. And yet it's all okay because it worked out well for the most part, it worked out fine. Um, and so there's no other than other than the burden of him having to see the one patient that he really befriended regress at the end of this, there's really no negative consequences for Robin Williams character in this movie, even though what he did would get him fired and probably thrown in jail, um, you know, for doing that type of stuff and, and, and doing these, you know, for all intents and purposes, human trials on these patients. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think as we've said, it's, it gets excused and, and kind of that's in the question too. It gets excused because it was successful, you know, right. as, as long as it's successful that a lot of times we're like, well, okay. I mean, it's, you shouldn't have done it, but it all worked out. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to try, and, we're, we're just going to slap you on the wrist a little bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to try and channel a, a little bit of Dennis Matushin here and kind of re- I have represented Jeff. I'm going to try and represent Dennis. Uh, let's take the mother's perspective. Was it successful? I mean, did, did, I mean, I don't know. She, she, how would she feel about that? I mean, she, let's say that's, let's say that's your son. Do you want this guy? Like, you know, you got carte blanche, do whatever and go for it. I mean, did she really grant that permission and was she happy with the result? And then, you know, you've got that thing as, as a parent, not I mean, you know, I, I guess, you know, my knee jerk reaction would be, yeah, I would definitely give, you know, to get my, but all of a sudden she had it for 30 years. She's been living this life one way. Now it's changed. And now you're adapting to that. By the time you adapt to that, guess what? You've got to see these, these, you know, seizures and all that. And now you've got to kind of relive all that. Is that what she signed up for? And did she really even sign up for that? I mean, just with, Without going too far down the rabbit hole, then then you get into the debate of, well, what the right. mother saw as maybe being unsuccessful, he actually, he got to live a life for a little bit, whereas the mother was like, but he used to be, he used to be quiet and compliant and, well, 
okay, no, <laughs> we, a lot of us here have children. They're not always going to be quiet and compliant. And, you know, at a certain point, yes, when they're little, maybe, if you're lucky, um, they will be a little bit more agreeable. But then obviously as they grow up and as they mature, they, they're going to be their own people. And a lot of times that's going to clash with the person maybe you wanted them to be. And so that even that, like your definition of success, was it successful? Uh, the mother might tell you no, um, you know, when her son became what she wasn't used to. But Leonard would tell you, absolutely, even though I got this short time, you know, to be able to be what I, to be what I wanted to be, to, to live this life and, and to do it um, with whatever limited amount I was able to, I got to do it. So that was successful. And help however many other people that learned from right. this thing. Yeah. No, I, right. I get it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's going to do it for this episode for Awakenings. So I, once again, I just want to thank the guys from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast for coming on with us for the last couple of weeks. Um, they, we'll get you guys on here again at some point in the future, too. This was a lot of fun to have you guys on here and uh, to, to mix in the uh, Illinois and Oklahoma contingent. Yeah. Um, you guys are awesome. Yeah, so thank you so much, and, and please keep up the good work on your show. Why don't you uh, tell everybody where they can find your show so they can uh, get over there and subscribe. Uh, yeah, you guys, thanks again for having us. It's amazing. It's so great to be able to talk with you guys and geek out in person instead of just geeking out while I'm listening to you on the radio every week. Um, but, yeah, if you want to check out the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, we're on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. We're on Facebook at Shirley Podcast, or you can email us. Shirley podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go check out their show. Go subscribe so you can get all the episodes when they come out. Um, and if you, if you have listened to the Superman show and you didn't like what I picked, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to apologize, but uh, yeah, that, that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, you, when you mentioned it's like, it's, it's fun to finally kind of like talk in person instead of just listen. And it, like, sometimes you think of like, you listen to a podcast for a while and you're like, wow, I feel like I really know these people. I've never actually talked to him, but I feel like I really know these people. Um, I saw somebody put up a picture. It was either on Twitter or Facebook the other day. And it was like, like a big poster of a bunch of people like sitting together, enjoying a meal. And then there was a real person sitting next to the poster, like smiling and leaning in, like they were talking to the people <laughs> on the poster. And the caption said what it feels like to be a podcast listener. And I was like, no, yeah, that's, that's it. That's, man. that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. You know, like best friends with people you that don't even know you exist. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I would just, I would say this, the, you guys were inspirational to us and specifically Jason in that you, you brought us in like we were, we were family. Uh, I mean, Jason was a listener who would communicate with you guys on Twitter and then he got invited to be a, a co-host on the show. And that's fantastic. I mean, we've developed a friendship over that and that's exactly what we wanted to do for our podcast. We wanted people to feel like they could reach out and communicate with us on a personal level personal level so thank you guys so much for inspiring that kind of uh close relationship yeah yeah thank you guys so much yeah, yeah. We've, we've had we had so much fun talking with you for these last couple of weeks and um yeah we'll, we'll definitely get you guys on here again and and uh we'll uh we'll find some other good movies to chat about and debate and and all that yeah um, cool but uh yeah no thank you guys so much thanks for having us sweet we had a blast really I feel like I talk too much on this one, but uh. <laughs> no, no. As, as, as I, as I tell Pat pretty constantly, Pat, Pat's like, you know, I feel like I've been talking the whole time. I'm just going to shut up now. And like, Pat, it's an audio medium. If you shut up. <laughs> Most times with podcast, people are not just going to stare at their phone if there's no audio coming out of it. So talking is kind of like what we're doing here. So, no, it's, it, that's absolutely fine. Well, and I think it's cool that both weeks we're able to bring a little bit of the flavor of, uh, of your guys' show in, you know, and get a little bit of, 
point counterpoint kind of stuff going in there, which is which has been pretty cool. That's just been the coolest part. Yeah, it's just yeah, you know, and seeing I, how you guys interact in person. And and I'll tell you, man, I'm like at the forefront of the like anti um, social media campaign. But like this has just been cool because like this is how it's supposed to be. And like you said, I mean, like I wouldn't have ever known you guys, you know, but it's like, you know, it's like the Irish say a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And uh, this has just been a really cool thing. Like listening to your opinions, listening to your, your awesome show, and then like getting to just chat it up tonight. This is, this has been very, this has been very cool. Very cool. Thanks for having us. We, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And and the great thing is, you guys being in Oklahoma, is that the next time I'm driving down to Texas, like I can just like hang out the window, like wave hi or something, stop by. And um, I, I had a buddy that used to do some, uh, he had a podcast and I used to do some audio recordings for him and he lives over in Georgia. And every time I hear anything about how hot it is in Atlanta and I'm like, I'm never going there. I, <laughs> I have no reason to drive through Georgia at all. But, you know, I, I go through Oklahoma, you know, every once in a while. So we'll maybe drive by and, you know, say hi sometime and holler at us, man. Or, Let's or, do it. or at the very least, I, in the pool. I, I can, I can at the very least, maybe like you're a little bit closer. I could maybe get one of you guys to drive down and get me some Torchy's tacos and send them up this way. So, oh, dude, yeah, yeah. we got Torchy's in Norman. That was yeah. Wait, my my daughter actually used to work for Torchy's. Oh, really? Okay, right on. Yes. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was the. It was funny. I I had to take a trip down in uh, December. I had to go down to Austin. Um, I was there for partly for work and then partly to to see my grandmother, uh, who's down there now and. Um, that was the first thing I did. Like the moment I got off the plane, I was like, well, should I go see my family or say, no, I got to priorities. I got to do torchies first. <laughs> I got to, I got to, you've got family and you've got queso. I right. mean, there's just not, that's not even a, <laughs> no, no. Not a question. And, and, and it's awkward to put queso on your family. So I'm going to go to torchies first and then I'm going to go see the family. <laughs> right. That's right. Hey, and I'm just going to say, and again, I mean, we're keeping an eye on the time. I'll, I'll be brief. And I, but I just want to thank you guys as face to face as we can, uh, earlier this year, you know, end of last year, earlier this school year, my mom passed away. And that's, uh, that's, well, you know, that's a, that's a hard situation. And I mean, I was just so humbled by that, that GoFundMe page and the gift that you guys all set up and gave and all that. And so just tagging on to my earlier comments about, you know, friends that you just haven't met yet. I mean, that was uh, beyond humbling. And uh, to me and my family, I mean, that I told my family about it and they're like, wait, what, how did that come? You know? And so anyways, to keep it brief, just again, from the bottom of my heart, uh, uh, thank you um, as face to face as we can be. And uh, this is just a cool thing. It's been a really cool night. So anyways, thank you. Thanks, Pat. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us this time around. And we have got in our uh, experiments gone wrong month, we have got one episode left and it, it's another one that I have not seen yet. So I am excited for this one. Uh, Dark Man. So I am looking forward to this one. I still can't believe you haven't seen Darkman. I, I am blown I know. away Dude, by this. Dude, I know that's it's a fantastic. That's Liam Neeson's best performance. I know. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like every time, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a pad and backdraft. It's like, wait a minute, you haven't seen this one? <laughs> like, I know. I'm getting around to it. I'm getting around to it. Well, I'm gonna double up. I haven't seen Darkman either, so I'm. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah. So this will. I'm a. I'm fired up now. Okay. I, I'm excited then. <laughs> I didn't realize you both hadn't seen it. That's super cool. Okay. This is one one of those that I might have seen it too young in age. Um, My uncle had it. Yeah. You know how it is. The cool uncle. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Oh, Darkness. So cool. Cool. And then we'll follow that up next month with our crime month. Uh, We've got um, Godfather Part 3. We've got Goodfellas. We've got Miller's Crossing, Quick Change, and Dick Tracy. 
So that'll be our next month coming up after this one. The funny that we started to watch that one with the kids the other day and, and John was fine. He was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I like, I like all the colors in this. It's really cool. And, um, all I could think of was like the McDonald's scratch off game that they used to have with all the Dick Tracy stuff. And, and my daughter, I mean, she, we were watching this, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon, up in the evening and poor kid, like she can, if she watches something that just messes with her a little bit too much, she'll have nightmares for days. And she's just like, can we stop? The oh, people's faces look weird. Yeah, I get <laughs> I that, like, man. I was like, no, 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 I'm an adult, and the people's faces look weird. We can absolutely stop. So we had to stop about you know a third of the way through, and John's like, oh, come on. Can you just send her to bed so we can finish this? <laughs> oh, 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 that's cool, I was like, dude. <laughs> we'll finish it at some point later. I know, but like, ugh. chill. It'll be fine. We'll finish it later. So. Oh, I love the color palette of that movie. I know. It's so much fun. A living comic book. All right. Well, thank you all for being here once again. Come on back here next week when we've got Dark Man and then our crime month after that. Uh, In the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time.